Welcome everybody to another episode of Nights at the Brown Table. This is a podcast of Pacific Islanders sharing our views and the lens through which we see the world. I'm Sefa. To the vast intergalactic space of the interwebs, it is the one and only, the songstress, seamstress, mistress, mattress of this generation, the songstress, seamstress, mistress, mattress of Australia, representing Samoa, and also who sometimes claims Chinese and German heritage, Lamar, hi. Hey, what's up? I'm doing good. Yeah, feeling good? Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling so smooth right now. You sound like you have a new mic. You sound like you've got a new mic. Oh, did we upgrade? I don't know. Are we doing this? Does it sound like we upgraded? Well, we don't sound underwater, so. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Silla, he's laughing. No more underwater mic. But we have two guests with us this week. Introduce yourself, boys. Hi, my name is Dali. What's up, guys? Name is Mone. Moses. Nah, I couldn't. I was trying to do you sit, you know. <laughs> trying to go with Shalama. <laughs> <laughs> Since uh, when? <laughs> when did you go by Moses? Dude, haven't you seen my Instagram? I, I, I called myself Moses and I'm trying to get a trending of it. You know what I mean? I thought this would be my platform. That's a brand, you, right? You, know you need I mean? to change the at. You can't just be Monet on your at and then Moses. Moses. No, you've got to change the at, at Moses. Mm-hmm. If you were to make an Instagram handle, what would it be? What, what's, a, what's an Instagram? Um, like your new Instagram name. Because right now you're just underscore Monet underscore. Mm-hmm. What would your new one be from this for new Moses? name? Man, just Moses, bro. I'll underscore Moses. Hey, I'm pretty taken. Simple. Yeah. Is it? Nah. Everything's taken. My name's taken. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we have two men on the podcast today, Shalama? The reason we do is because today's topic has to do with mental health. So a few weeks ago in June, it was Men's Mental Health Week. So we thought it would be a great idea to invite some people onto the podcast to openly discuss mental health and to get their experiences and ideas of what this means. So on in the context of mental health, what does that mean to you? Um, okay, mental health to me, um, I just kind of get like also like emotional health at the same time, just um, your thought patterns and your mood. It has to do with a lot of things, uh, um, mood and morphly, uh, just like what my friend has shared, emotions. Eh? When someone asks me what mental health is, morphly in in my culture, I talk about such, like sicknesses such as well. I compare them to to struggles, and uh, morphly, uh, a lot of people don't know it's a sickness and it's a, a something to be diagnosed with. And I just explain that it it's same as a sickness, having a sickness, and and yeah, it's very hard to cope with or. And I just, yeah, I give example of what mental health is because it's very hard to explain a certain thing, especially with my families, you know. Like I have to give an explanation or an example. Okay, so for me personally, mental health deals with your well-being as a person. When we talk about mental health in the context of what we are going towards today, I suppose it's to do with the, the hardships that we face as Pacifica men and how taboo it is to kind of openly talk about it. It's about expression for me. Well, let's go into that first section. Dali and Chalama both touched on it in regards to mental health when it comes to our specific uh, culture. So where are you from, Dali? I'm from Fiji, yeah. And so when you explained that it's quite difficult uh, talking with your family about something like this topic... 
what are some things that have helped you better illustrate your situation? It's very, just like I said earlier, it's very hard to to explain a certain thing when they don't have any understanding or any backgrounds eh, towards... Uh, um, a lot of times I have to explain that I'm in a mood, you know, or I'm going through depression and I have to explain a certain thing. Um, um, with sicknesses, I compare them with my mental health. And uh, one comparison I make is uh, what my family would understand is is, uh, is cancer. I compare it to my depression or bipolar that I have, you know. And uh, these sicknesses are something they would, you know, when they, when they hear that you're struggling mentally, they would tell you, oh, pray more, you know. Um, so you know, do something to get rid of that that thought that you have. Eh? But it's something that you need help with, you know, uh, with counselling. And and now we have psychologists who handle those things. And to get the illustration across to my family, it's very hard. And sometimes it's very hard for me to explain it. But that's how I said. Like I just give an example uh, from a sick person to what I have. It's just the same thing. And uh, but I struggle with it emotionally, mm. and it's physically tiring and I get tired so easily and uh, yeah they do understand but the fact that they don't have a background towards what I'm having yeah. or what I have uh, I struggle with that when I have to explain it with my family and with my direct family they understand it you know they're educated enough and they know what I go through but it's the extended yeah family it's the extended the family or oh, why didn't you turn up or oh, why didn't you know, why didn't you reply to the chat or these things? Because they don't understand what I go through, mm. you know, uh, the episodes that I go through. And I think um, explaining it to my my immediate family that they know, but extended family, it's so hard. And all they say, oh, yeah, you're just ignoring the part of your tradition. But no, it's the struggle that I'm in mean, in the situation that I'm in. And, and yeah. it's uncontrollable. Like, I can't control it. Yeah. Chalama, is that the same experience you have with your family? I think um because my my grandparents or my parents they come from different times. Um, explaining mental health is difficult in the sense that a lot of the times it's as if like saying something to me as oh all you have to do is pray about it and then you'll be okay. But it's a lot more. There's a lot more to that than just praying about it. And when I put it in the context of Pacifica people and especially Pacifica men. The thing that's really hard as a man growing up within um, the Pacifica community is that the ability to show emotion or any type of emotion is attributed to weakness. And growing up with that mindset, it set me up for a lot of failure that I believe. So it was hard. It was hard growing up. It, you know, I was always trying to fit into a place that I felt like I couldn't fit in. And the reason why was because I didn't feel like I was masculine enough. I didn't think I didn't feel like I was strong enough, and it was hard to deal with that growing up. You touch on an expression called toxic masculinity. Researchers have defined it in part as a set of behaviors and belief that include the following: a suppressing emotions or masking distress; b maintaining an appearance of hardness; c violence as an indicator of power. Think like the tough guy behavior. Or in other words, toxic masculinity is what can come of teaching boys that they can't express emotion openly, that they have to be tough all the time, and that anything other than that makes them feminine or weak. When you hear the word toxic masculinity, one, what does it mean to you? Two, has that affected your mental health? 
Um, I don't think I really have anything else to add to the meaning of toxic masculinity. It's not, it's not something that I've really, you know, come across a lot and I've like, read, it, read into it. Because, you know, I, I grew up in a single, single mother, you know. Um, it's just me and my sister. Didn't have that father figure. In school, I moved here from New Zealand, I think around when I was seven years old. And I used to get bullied when I first started school. I got put in school. I didn't know the language at all. And I just had this one bully. And I've got the worst memory on this planet, but I'll always remember my bully. You know, shout out to him. But, What's uh, his name? I won't say it on this. I won't, I'll, What's I'll, his Instagram? I'll find you one day once I go back. I think he there. took the name Moses. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, no but, um, but yeah, so like, you know, I was bullied um, back in primary school. And um, I didn't have that father figure to kind of, you know, give me my worth as well. I didn't, uh, you know, and my mother, because she's Tongan, Tongan background, we don't express in the island of culture, you know, I love you. So I never kind of had that safety growing up. You know, I, was reje- I felt like I was rejected from my, my dad, you know what I mean? And I was rejected by my fellow schoolmates because I was bullied. So um, I think it, as a protection, uh, like kind of shield, once I got into high school, I looked at my cousins, you know what I mean? They're, they're the gangsters, they're the cool guys. And I thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to become cool. You know, I jumped into a new school. I started dressing the way that you know, I saw that the popular kids did and all that kind of stuff. Eventually, I became popular mm. and all that kind of stuff in school. So I was popular. Is this in Mudra? It's in Mudra. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, back in Mudra. And to me, that was how I kind of put on the masculine, you know, yeah. because I, that was kind of like my little protection so that I don't get bullied anymore. And also, you know, receive praises, you know, and get girls and all that kind of stuff because I thought that's, that's where the real happiness comes. If I'm popular, no one will mess with me and I'll get girls and I'll be happy, you know what I mean? And, and I think that's where it came from. And, you know, because I didn't have that self-love that I, you know, I felt like I should have received in my childhood. That's how I got my self-love from, you know, I got it from everyone else. You know, every time that I was rocking the new trends or doing whatever it is that I did that made me popular, that's how I think I was looking for my love, you know what I mean? Or, or building my self, yeah, self-confidence or self-worth is mm. probably the better term. Um, and even until now, even until this day, you know what I mean? I've become... I'm learning a little bit more about mental health, and you know, I talked. I've talked to professionals and stuff, but there's still different places in the world. Like for example, even at work, I do disability care. Me, if you know me, I'm very chill. You know what I mean. I don't like to show any kind of masculine, you know, kind of energy or try to be alpha or anything like that. Mm. But at work, when I'm just by my, if I'm if I'm my normal self, my client will ride that man. You know what I mean. That's when you'll see little. Um, abscondings or he'll do it, you know, something because I, I think he looks, he feels weak energy, so he'll jump on that. So when I go into work, I have to put on that character that I'm not usually am, you know yeah. what I mean? I have to, you know, become a little bit more masculine um, just so I can actually have a good shift so I can be in control of the situation. And if I was to kind of, the, the, the way that I view my shift, I kind of look at the world like that too. Like I'm like, look, I know I've got the right intentions, but the, the reality of the world is to me, what how I see it, it's just that's how the world is, you know what I mean? I they can only nice respond. Guy. Yeah, like I mean, there's not everyone is the same as me, or not everyone is respectful. There are going to be people out there that will take advantage of your kindness. So it's just trying to find that healthy balance of not being, not reaching that toxic masculinity, but also, but not being too passive as well. You know, there's yeah. finding that middle ground. So that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Because he's saying he's putting it on the front for the sake of accomplishing a certain task. With and for him in his childhood, it was fending off bullies, and then now in his workplace. It's almost being in command of the situation, especially as, as a support worker. You kind of have to put that on. Is it the same as toxic masculinity? Is that the kind of thing we're talking about? <clears throat> it depends on how you define what masculinity is. I think the, the, the term masculine is different to every person. For me, what um, Mona was describing, I think that's more of like having an assertive nature masculinity in my perspective is somebody that is able to 
kind of be able to express themselves very trans like to be transparent in the way that they feel being comfortable in that person that they are so only because i with the term toxic masculinity for me i it's been a very long time to dismantle what it means to be masculine whereas a lot of people can associate masculine masculinity with strength um i associate masculinity with being able to express yourself freely, to be vulnerable um, and to be able to kind of open up to people, to put your hand up and say, look, I'm not, I'm not doing okay. Like I'm, I'm having a hard time. And I think that's important to take into account that the word masculine means something different to people. So there's the word, the definition of the word masculine, and then there's the connotations and the stigma and the ideas that are attached to the idea of masculinity. Can I ask a question though? Mm. How how do you think your your the definition of masculine has been formed? Do you think it's because of how you grew up, or is it because of what has been um, perpetuated by society, or from the films that you watch? Like, how do you define what masculine masculinity is for to you? The definition of masculinity to me is the correct the the attributes of men. You know what make them to be men. Like uh, what? Like. Um, being dominant, uh, like these are attributes that con- that that agrees with toxic masculinity, eh? uh, which is being dominant, competitive, and aggressive. That's who we are as men. And do you, where do so the question is where do you think how do you think that was formed? Are you just taking it from the dictionary, or do you think those ideas were were based on the society you grew up with? It is the influence of the society, mm. like uh, just like. Uh, when when I grew up, I have to be like my brothers. You know, mm. I have to be a certain way, because that's uh, as a man you have to be, you have to be dominant and you have to be a leader, and and people have to see you a certain way. And if you're other than, you know, if you're not masculine enough, you're counted as a weak person. Mm. And especially with a traditional community or society I come from, um, as a weak, we're defined as a weak person. If you cry, even as a boy, like I remember. You know, just getting because I'm a very emotional person, and it comes from my mother. But when I get emotional, like I when I get angry and I get emotional in front of people at home, especially, I get told, "Stop crying! You're not you're, you're not a girl." Mm. And uh, and that enforces me to to build more. Just like Mone, for his security purposes, he need needed to formulate you know security, which is uh, aggressiveness, you know, and and com- to compete to other people around him. And for me. Just to be, like, we can't be ourselves when the society and its influence comes from people who we trust and love. Mm. And they enforce us to be a certain way. That's interesting, because I think in contrast to that, maybe Monique can attest to this as well. I, my background's Tongan, and I think within the Tongan community, the, the attributes that you associated with masculinity, to me, because of the household I grew up in, are more associated with women than they are with men. Men in the Tongan community are much more stoic and laid back. And in the, in, within the culture, it is women that are more dominant. It is a very matriarchal society. And so I find it the idea of masculinity, I would still agree with you that it's, it's uh, formed based on the society because those aren't the things I actually associate with masculinity. I associate other things, mainly the ones that I've seen within my father, but I don't associate those things like uh, competitiveness, aggressiveness. No, I learned that from my mum. 
and from my sisters. I didn't learn that from my dad. But again, it's still I still agree with you where I think it's based on the society you grew up in and the mm. community is that influences the idea of what what it is to be masculine. But I think the key the key thing with toxic masculinity is this idea that you cannot be open or transparent or share. I think it took time for me to share what I was going through, to be vulnerable, to be honest, and to be responsible of my mental health and to talk about it. And I think it came with experience, you know. Um, just as I started with my, you know, with my friends and I started sharing it. And I think that's opened me up. Now I can talk about it freely because it started with me just being vulnerable. And, and that's the only way I could heal. And mm. that's the only way I healed was to open up and speak about what I was going through because I didn't understand it myself. And speaking it, with, talking with my brothers, that didn't make them understand what I was going through. They were like, oh, it's just a struggle. It is life. But it's not. It is the struggle that we need. You know, mm. you need company or you need someone to work with. For, in my experience, it was really hard growing up because I struggled with the idea that I'm not manly enough when it comes to anything that I did. You know, I was, I'm a Samoan person. During school, I didn't want to play sports. I didn't want to play football. I didn't want to associate myself with anything sports-related. But I was constantly felt like I was categorized to be in a certain box because I saw my peers, my, my Pacifica peers, my cousins, they were playing football, they were being represented, and I was seeing how much society and also my family, they pushed these ideas of, you know, wow, that's so good. Like, you're, you're a boy and you're playing football <laughs> and now you're being represented. Like, that's so cool. And I was in my room pretending I was being interviewed by myself, singing Britney Spears. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, hang on a minute. <laughs> so I, I struggled with the, the notion of never feeling adequate enough to be considered a man. Mm. And it wasn't until I grew older that the definition became very mixed for me because I found strength in other areas that I believe... And I think that's what a man is, right? For me personally, it's about finding strength. And I think whether it's, whether you define that as a man or a woman, that's the the context of um strength applies to both. Mm. You know, you you can't. For me personally, you can't just say, "Oh, a man is just someone that's dominant," but because a woman can be dominant, everyone mm. can be dominant. But as a person, it's about finding that strength within yourself. And for me, my strength comes from being vulnerable. It comes from being able to express myself freely mm. and um yeah that's awesome Depression is a significant factor in male suicide, but not in the majority of cases. Male suicides are more commonly linked to a range of distressing life events such as relationship separation, financial problems, relationship conflict, bereavement, uh, recent or pending unemployment, uh, family conflict, and then pending legal matters. Depression is something that you don't really know you're in, a lot, of, like especially when it first hits you. Uh, I'm not even to be honest. I'm not speaking from experience. I've lived quite a nice life, mm. but I'm I'm sharing it based on things that uh, with based on the experiences of people that I've spoken to. 
a lot of the time when uh, that initial talk with their f- the first time they're opening up to somebody, they're not sure what's happening. And I, I feel like that would be such a confusing time for them. And I, I feel bad and I tried my best to relate, but that's been my initial experience with that. And to be honest, that's about as far as I've went. I mean, I think my experience, it's been, I think I've been in that same boat, like how a lot of other people would say that they actually didn't really know that they were in it. Um, it's only a couple of years ago, man, that I've actually, um, that I finally saw a professional and, you know, and found out that I actually go through depression and anxiety. Uh, and, it, and to me, it makes sense because of like in my childhood and things that happened in that. Yeah, just growing up, I, I just, you know, it was never talked about in the home. I remember the first time that I, it's only a few times where I brought up, you know, anything about mental health to my mother. Um, and the first time I, I, I told her, I was like, mom, I think I've got um, depression. And she was like, God, how depression, you know, you're talking like, <laughs> what, what is depression? And she, you know, and I tried, you know, just kind of trying my best to explain, you know, to her what that was. And what she, did you explain to her? Dude, I don't, my memory's really bad, but I just, I, I think just like what, what I was feeling, you know, like maybe, you know, self-isolation, no motivation, you know, just you're, you're in a bit of a, a rut. Of rock, r- route, yeah, yeah, yeah a rut. Right. But I, this is what my mom said, and it made perfect sense to me because she goes, like, Mona, you know, growing, I, I can't relate because growing up in Tonga, you know, there was no such thing as um, depression. Whether she was right or not, to me, it kind of makes sense because in Tonga, you know what I mean? They're out in the sun getting their vitamin D all the time. They're always moving around, you know, you know, doing heavy lifting or whatever, always like doing, you know, active things. But, you know, looking at our situation now, we don't have to, you know, go out to the, you know, the bush and, you know, grab all, you know, the tires and all that kind of stuff. We're not, we don't have to be in the sun all day. You know, there's jobs that we have where we can be inside and not get any vitamin D, period, you know, throughout most of the week. What is depression and what is anxiety? Depression is the feeling of feeling un, um, very, but you can be overwhelmed by so many factors. Like you mentioned earlier, it, it creeps up on you. I attribute it to like the example of waves hitting the sand. You know, sometimes you don't know when those waves are coming in, but sometimes um, you're already in deep when you realize that you are depressed. A lot of people can't recognize it because it hasn't been instilled what that actually is. We haven't been taught to recognize our this feeling of depression. Anxiety is different. Anxiety, for me personally, it's the notion of like getting ready for something and then not wanting to go out. It's antagonizing internally with myself of not wanting to be seen in public, not wanting to be social. It, 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 the feeling is... Um, it's somewhat suffocating, I have to say. Like, sometimes I, I would get ready, or sometimes I would make plans with people, and then I make up an excuse because I don't <laughs> want to go. Is there a physical reaction yes. to it? What, well, what happens to you? I shut down. I think of the worst-case scenarios. I think of, like, oh, people are going to be judging me. Like, as soon as I walk out my mm. door, someone's going to look at me. They're going to say, ew, they're going to judge me. So much so that I just want to be inside. And it's hard for me to be outside because of the judgments of other people and that what they have. So that's how I kind of differentiate depression to anxiety. I think with me, like, I figured out, like, a little pattern that kind of happens with me. It usually starts from, like, a certain, um, like, stress that's happening in my life. Like, something where I need to make a decision, but I don't really know what the right decision is. And if I don't really solve that problem in my mind, it just kind of goes around, goes around. And if I don't solve it in time... That's when it, my anxiety at the time will eventually lead me to like a depressive um, episode or just like kind of, you know, stage mm. of the week or day. So that, that's something that, you know, when I was talking to a professional about like around two years ago, 
that's one thing she was able to help me to see um, that how my brain works. You know, if if a, if a certain um, problem um, shows up, um, it goes in my brain. If I if I can't figure it out what it is, you know what what the solution is, it'll just keep going round, round, round. Um, and it's amazing how what the brain can do because there are even times when I I can be so stressed that it affects my physical, like where I can actually. It's not co- uncommon for me to even start having headaches because, you know, my belief is because my mind is just going around and around, around you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and eventually, you know, I can get headaches and then I eventually kind of lead into my depression from there. Um, and then usually I have to, you know, talk to someone, you know, whatever little thing it is to get me out of that again. Yeah. But, um, yeah, usually I have to try to catch, what, you know, what, what's, what's stressing me out and figure out the little, the little tools, whether it's, you know, writing my thoughts, talking to someone and, like, figuring out that solution before it gets, it, it goes into a greater spiral leading into an, an episode. So. so I actually have a great example of my anxiety. So for me, I cannot go to the barbers. It's really hard for me to go to um, if like I'm in a, the store. A haircut? Yeah. Oh. So this is how this is this is how my mind works. When I go to the shops, I'm already really anxious. And when I'm going towards the barber shop, and that shop is filled with men, straight away I'm like, oh no, I can't do this. Like, I physically don't feel like I'm strong enough or that I'm manly enough to exist in a, in a place where there's a lot of masculine people mm. so much so that i would do around um for of the mall or wherever i am and i'll go back or i'll, I'll kind of wait back um or there are sometimes where I, I hit up all of the barber shops that exist in the in place and if they're all packed with people i go home mm. like that's how my mind works when it comes to like when the, how i feel anxiety it's not being able to function as you know the doing the things that you think is easy for some people for someone that's going through like an, an anxious period it's hard for them for me it's like the topic goes from zero to 100 right away and i think it's important to understand that similar to physical health that there are levels of health it's the same with mental health that there are people who like you may be mentally healthy but you've also got to maintain that the same way that someone isn't just going to stay healthy the whole time if they're not trying to actively stay healthy they will become unhealthy i'll share an experience where i as much as i said that like i live have i've lived quite a nice life i actually sought professional help a couple years ago uh and i went to see accounts i went to see a therapist for two years at while i was at school and i bring up this topic because i didn't go because there was anything major happening but i went to maintain I have, I'm somewhat detached emotionally to anybody in general. That's just me. And I found that this was becoming a hindrance when it came to my progression with relationships. And so I sought help to see if something could happen. And so that's just to really illustrate the idea that there are levels of healthiness. But what I wanted to bring up was that on, on my way, because it was on campus. So on my way, whenever I did have an appointment, I would tell people that I had a class. I wouldn't tell people that I'm going to see the counselor, point number one. Point number two, I'd wear a hoodie. And I'd walk to the counselor. And the thing is, the counselling centre is on a hill. So if you're going up that hill, there is, there is nothing else on that hill besides the counselling centre. And so if somebody saw you walking in that direction, they know where you're going. And that was the annoying thing because I didn't want anybody to know. So when it comes to mental health and a stigma, what advice would you give to people who not only um, experience a level of depression, but 
who have on top of that have to deal with the idea of shame or guilt. Can I just ask real quickly? Yeah. Why did you feel like you had to wear a hoodie or tell other people that you're in a class? In general, I'm a very private person. To be honest, sharing that on this podcast, I'm going to debate whether I'm going to edit it out or not. So it's not like I didn't have an example of a man being vulnerable. My dad's very vulnerable all the time. It's just me personally. I'm just private. Is it to do with shame? Like you don't want to be seen as, as a vulnerable person? Mm. The, what comes to the forefront of my mind is I just don't want people knowing, point number one. But subconsciously, I'm open to the idea that it could be attached to shame or it could be attached to guilt that I didn't want people knowing. Like if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see all my photos is just about the Philippines because I went, to, uh, I don't know if you know this, <laughs> but I went to the Philippines earlier this year. Didn't notice at all. You didn't notice? <laughs> no. Okay, honestly, follow me. On my Instagram, it's just about the Philippines because what's on social media for me is all I want you to see. And that's it. I'm just private. I've come across people where they would say, um, I can't do this. Like, I can't go and see a counselor because of uh, a friend of mine said because of their repetition and the way, you know, people see them. For whoever out there that, you know, that is struggling with depression, which was defined by my friends, or anxiety, I would never take back what I did is that reaching out for help. Uh, it doesn't mean you're weak, that if you reach out and ask for help, it's never a weakness. Uh, a lot of men that I've come across, um, a lot of my friends that I've come across, um, they would only talk to me and I'm like, we are, we are brothers, we are friends, but I can't help you. Uh, there's people out there, there's psychologists, there's counselors that can help you. Mm. And with your situation, and uh, a lot is to do with shame. And uh, with a friend of mine, it's that's the word he said was his repetition. And I'm like, you know, I understand what his point is, but for me, as a stronger being now, I would never treat anything else mm. rather than just telling people what I go with, uh, I struggle with. And when I open up and I tell people, and then people start to open up. And I have a lot of friendmates who have only opened up when I shared my problem, and mm. I refer them to psychology i refer them to counselors to see and a lot of it is to do with with weakness we don't want to be weak we don't want to be shameful if you want if you deserve healing you need to come you know you have to do you have to speak to people you have to let people know what you're going through i came across a book uh, written by sam harris he said that um and is that the dj <laughs> no, he's a psychologist, a scientist. <laughs> DJ Sammy. Um, <laughs> DJ, is, does he the one that works with DJ Havana? Havana Brown? Sings Heaven. No, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, Sam Harris said that um, uh, someone asked him in, in an Oxford Union uh, conference, somebody asked him, what's the antidote to masculinity? He said, honest and responsibility. A lot of us, we're not honest with ourselves. We need to be honest. True. And we need to... Uh, re tell people what we're going through. Yeah. And I was like, I was questioning the fact that he said responsible because we're responsible of our mental health. Because you've given us some insight as to your train of thought when it comes to this topic. What are some of the things that you've told yourself that to stop you from opening up or sharing? Do you remember anything from that time period? No one cares. You just got to rough it up by yourself. Mm. And you're, on, you're, work, you're walking this journey on your own. You don't want to share it because nobody understands. The, the, the action of dealing with everything on your own to the point of where do I go from now? Because it's easy enough to be like, oh, you just open up. But I think 
more importantly, what we need to do first is, like Dolly was saying, um, you have to be honest. You have to be honest with yourself and you need to acknowledge that um, like this is a problem. Um, and it's not until we can be honest with ourselves that we're able to kind of like potentially open up. Because it's easy to say like, oh, yeah, just open up. But what does that look like? Like, how did we open up? Because I'm trying to remember now. My therapist that I went to, and he said that your instinct as a child, that if your instinct as a child, that if there's no safe place or safe person that you can rely on, if there isn't one like that in your community or within your circle, that a child's instinct is pretty, is most of the time pretty accurate. The time when I decided to actually seek some sort of help with the issue I was dealing with was that I felt I found somebody or some people that I thought it was safe enough. And it wasn't until I found that those sorts of people that I finally did. What was What's that first step? You kind of need to find the right people. And I think it would be an irresponsible of us to announce that, guys, you need to open up and just to open up, period. Open up to anyone. No, I do not advise that mm. at all. You need to find the right people. And if you're not going to seek professional help first, find people in your life or put yourself in a position where you can have people like that in your life where where you feel that you're comfortable enough to be open with. Mm. Whose phone is that? That is not mine. Yes. Mine is on the phone. It's him. It's mine. I think it's mine. Yeah. It's like, holy crap. I was like, are we going to answer this? It's somebody's <laughs> phone. Are we just going to ignore the elephant in the room? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, finding a safe place. Mm. Go ahead, Moni. I'm not too far ahead in the, you know, uh, my knowledge of mental health. I feel like I'm still kind of beginning. I'm still learning, educating myself on it. But one thing that's very important, I think, is to like know that there are actual professionals, you know, in regards to combating the, I can do this myself, or I should just motivate myself. It's all in my mind. Mm-hmm. It's like, mate, if you were sick, if you had the flu, if you had cancer, like, do you know, like, do you have that kind of knowledge for yourself to like, like, would you know how to do that yourself? Um, mm. I know, I know we, it's easy to say that because it's so taboo, I, I feel like we, we should be leaning to more, more towards a culture of we should be able to uh, talk about it like if I had allergies or if I had um, cancer or if I had any kind of just normal flu, you know what I mean? Do you think it can reach that point? Anything's possible. I'm mm. not close to it. Because to me, allergies, the reason why it can be spoken of so lightly is because it there isn't really much gravity to it. And while I would want a society where you can be open about topics like this, I wouldn't want it to be spoken of so lightheartedly that we ignore the actual circumstances of it. Like it's like the, it's like adapting to a word that actually means something terrible, but we've become so desensitized to it that we just use it willy nilly. And I wouldn't want it to become that. I get what you mean, I just wouldn't take it to the extent where it would be like, hey, how are you going? And then somebody just yeah. all of a sudden starts unloading. It's like, yeah, no, yeah, not what I asked, not really what I intended. But I think if you need that, you should be able to talk to somebody. Just oh, okay. not like that. Uh, okay. Uh, maybe maybe what I'm thinking is like we should be able to like normalize it in, in yeah. our minds. I um, think so. Because, you know, when you think like – because one thing, you know, when you're going through depression or anxiety – you, you usually kind of beat yourself up even more because you're going for it. Like, why am I so sad? Why am I so, why isn't it gone forever when it comes back? I think we really need to like normalize it and, and, and look at it as something like, you know, if I only just found out a couple of years ago that I had um, allergies, bad allergies, 
Like my whole life growing up, I've always had a weak immune system. I was I was never a hundred percent. If I'm not sick, my allergies are playing up. But I never knew that because of one big thing is just because I was lazy. You know what I mean? When I get sick, oh, I don't need to go see a doctor. I just pen it all and I'll get better. What, you always had boogers up your nose or something? Dude, I always had a blocked nose. I was just never 100%. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then, look, even when I eventually found out that I have like strong, you know, grass allergies, animal allergies and all these other things, I just thought, oh, okay, that's cool. And I just never really went to the mm. doctors. It's not until just recently I found out that, hey, look, mate, the reality is you're going to need to take these sort of medications for the rest of your life. It's not just seasonal. And, mm. I, and, I, and, I, and I had to come to like understanding that I, well, I had to be all right with that. And to me, that's how I kind of look at my mental health at the moment. This is where mm. I'm, I'm not saying it's the solution for everyone. This is just something that kind of helps me feel comfortable knowing that, hey, look, I've got anxiety or depression, whatever it is. And the reality is I might, this might be something that I have for the rest of my life and I just have to stay on top of it. Mm. And if I don't get rid of it, I, I can't get angry at myself. I can't beat myself up. But most importantly, I can't bring my, wealth, my, my, my worth down because I have it. Like I'm not going to beat myself up and like, degrade my value to someone else if I have cancer or if I have you know, allergies, you know? I don't want it to be something where I should um, degrade myself compared to another person. Oh, dude, I've got this and that. So my, my value or my worth as a male as in my masculinity is less than this guy. That's kind of like the mindset mm. that I have at the moment, you know what I mean? And, and also, like my little advice or my little knowledge at the moment about mental health and you know, all that kind of stuff is a lot of these people that we compare ourselves to on social media that are sports stars, people that we look up to, they go through the exact same thing. You know what I mean? A lot of, a lot of us are comparing ourselves and, and becoming even more depressed because we don't, we don't, we're not living the dream you know, that we, we want you know, to be a singer or to be this and that. But a lot of these people that we actually look up to, they're going through the exact same yeah. thing. You know, they've got the exact same problems. It's, and that's an interesting point that you brought up, is, um, especially when it comes to like depression and anxiety. It doesn't discriminate. It's not discriminatory. It doesn't matter who you are. It can happen to anyone. We've seen that with celebrities. We've seen that with comedians who we believe are supposed to be the most funniest people on the earth who have committed suicide. Mm. And I think it's really important to note it affects anyone and everyone. It's mm. like a disease. It's a disease where, you know, indeed it's not discriminatory as well. It, it doesn't matter if you're the most fittest person in the world. It yeah. doesn't matter if you're the most strongest person in the world. Once you, once it comes to you, it that's it affects you. Yeah. Earlier today, I was just watching this um almost like a little podcast um based in the UK, and it was these famous soccer players, you know, big time soccer players that sit down and they'll, and they'll talk about mental health week as well, and they're talking about you know they're sharing their struggles and times and episodes you know that they've had with depression or anxiety, and it was just really weird because even though that you know they're well accomplished, you know they're famous, everything that they were sharing were all the things that I could relate to perfectly you know what i mean simple stresses of oh um, uh, my missus is about to give birth how am i gonna you know provide you mm. know um or oh, my missus or my my wife is making more money like it makes me feel less like a man so like it just kind of it, it kind of helped me to kind of you know hear their experiences because it helped you reminded me that i'm not on my own first of all and yeah like shalom i said it doesn't discriminate you know these these higher grade you know professionals um, big money making guys they, they're experiencing the exact same thing you know anxiety does not discriminate and mm. it makes you feel not that you you're happy that everyone else has gone through it too you know what I mean but it's just that like look I'm, I'm human they're human too it's a human thing like I shouldn't hate myself because of it or I shouldn't you know belittle myself or be shamed it's easier you know, said than done you know what yeah. I mean but yeah it shouldn't be something that we should be really really ashamed of you know yeah. and, and hopefully we can start to normalise it Thank you.
when it comes to ways that you have helped maintain your mental health, what are some things, practical things that you've done to help combat that? Um, okay, so some of the coping mechanisms with, uh, which I have implemented for me personally, writing it has become um, really instrumental for me to gain more clarity in my life and in the things that are currently on my mind. I feel like when I'm writing, physically uh, writing, by the way, when I'm physically writing how I'm feeling, how my day is going, I feel like all of the stresses and everything that I feel is being written out onto that particular page. So it's like I'm emptying myself through my writing. Another thing is uh, I take a lot of time for myself. I'm very self-aware of my social ability and my social capacity. So there'll be a time where I'm just like, I hit my point and then I'll be inside yeah. for the rest of my life. Um, my usual go-to, you know, when things are starting to build up, I'm a little bit stressed, or I feel a little bit off. Um, it's usually because there's something in my mind that I'm thinking about that I'm trying to solve a a problem i'm trying to get a solution for and majority of the times like at the end of every night or daily i i should be getting out my my journal which is writing at the moment sometimes i'm too lazy i just get my notes on my ipad and i just and i just type away because when it's in my mind you know something's wrong but you don't know what it is because everything's so uh juggled up in your mind but when i as soon as i start writing some magic happens where my brain eventually lets me know oh this is why you're stressed and i'm like oh damn this is why i'm actually stressed and then from there i'm able to like to write down um, actions from there that I can do to um, kind of solve that. And then I start, and I just feel relieved, you know. Um, that's not always the case. You know, sometimes I am really stressed and I do that, and I'm like, oh, damn, I'm still, something's still going on. I haven't figured out exactly what it is. Um, that's when I can talk to a mate. There's been times where I go talk to a mate, and then all of a sudden I feel better. Um, there's times when I actually start working out, and then it's, you know, and then I feel better. When you talk to a mate, is it the advice that your mate gives you, or is it just the process of speaking no, that I, I think it's, it's definitely you know, just the process of speaking and yeah. to me that's very powerful because offense taken but next time you call i'm not going to answer the phone but keep going i just want you to listen bro <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've, decline I, names. I, I think that's really cool bro because i think we um you know we you know when uh when we get asked the question like, what, are, what are ways that we can help out our maiden we can sometimes overthink or we can get stressed like damn like i can tell my mate or my, my family members a bit down like I feel unequipped. I, I don't feel like I know enough, you know. But I think one of the biggest tools in helping out your friends is just just by simply listening. Period. You know what I mean? You don't you don't have to be the hero. To, oh, I need to have the right answer. And that's the, the last. That's almost the yeah, last the thing last you thing. want mm. when you're trying to unpack and you're trying to explain yourself. Then somebody answers almost like they cut you off, which is what I just did to you. Yeah, point number one. <laughs> uh, point number two. You're always it's, doing that. They okay. Please, one at a time. Um, (laughs) But it's also when they respond, it's almost like they weren't even listening, Mm. and that's Mm. that's worse than if they had just not spoken any, not said anything. Especially when they try to give you the solution. That is like the absolute worst you can do, man. You know what I mean? I I think for if anyone out there wants to know how you can support somebody who is opening up to you, listening is a skill that a lot of people think that oh, I listen to them and then I give my advice. That's mm. not what listening is. Listening is just being capable to take in what somebody is saying. Sometimes You don't have to say anything. Just your existence in that moment with somebody who is being vulnerable and opening up, that is more than enough. And I, I in my experience, I've had times where somebody has just 
that like just them being next to me and even if there's no no talking but just me knowing that they're there is more than enough for me the most powerful the most powerful connection that you can have with a human being is when somebody validates that feeling for you it's like oh no but you're not the only person like i've got you i understand you and i'm here for you and i stand with you can i just re-emphasize like the importance of a professional because first of all no i mean like seriously like I mean, like, because my problem is, like, <laughs> why are you laughing? Because it's like the fourth time. <laughs> but it's true, though. No, no. <laughs> it's only because I don't get to talk as much and I'll keep on forgetting it all the time when it comes around. Uh. Damn it. And now I'm. No, it's just, first of all, like, you, you have to acknowledge what's wrong with you. But the reason why it's so important to have a professional, because I'm this ignorant guy that kept on thinking I could figure it out myself on Google. Like in order to one thing yeah. MD <laughs> Web MD <laughs> Exactly no, I feel like this Exactly No but I mean Just like it's so important To go professional Because in order to You have to know What your problem is Most importantly Because my life I felt like This is how I pictured my life man I just felt like I had a blindfold on And I'm trying to walk through To get to my destination And I'm just getting hit randomly mm. And I don't know Where the heck it's coming from You know when I finally went and, you know, talked to a psychologist, because they're the professionals, not Google, not your mates, not, you know, not your leaders or whatever it may be. They actually know what the actual problem is. And when they finally told me, oh, you actually have this or that, I felt like someone finally took off the blindfolds and I can actually see what's coming my way now. And I can actually better pr- prepare myself. And that's something that's like really important. And like, there'll be other little tools that they can advise you in, you know, to help you out. But in just like my allergies, this whole time I was thinking, man, I'm just... It's just my laziness. Oh, I'm just sick again. I didn't even know that I had like really high grass allergies, animal allergies, pretty much anything that's outside. You know, whenever I'm feeling 50%, I had no idea that I actually had legit allergies. Like I said, I've been walking around in life with just a blindfold this whole time. So it's not only acknowledging that there's something wrong and you're not feeling right. It's so important to actually know for sure what that is. And only a trained professional can tell you what that is. And I have to attest to that too. You know, it's funny because we haven't really spoken about it, but the context draw, like if we're talking about the struggles that you have, and then you kind of combine that with church culture, mm. um, there's obviously there's a stigma that, oh, but you have the gospel. Like, what mm. do you mean you struggle? But yeah, it's, pray. Yeah, like just pray it away. Like, well, but it's so important what Moni is saying that sometimes our leaders don't have all the answers, and that's fine. We're all human at the end of the day. But luckily, we have professionals that are able to diagnose us, and when we have that diagnosis, we're able to kind of facilitate help on what we need to focus on. And I think sometimes we confuse because they're both somewhat uh, abstract uh, mental health and spiritual health, mm. we confuse those things. That we think that because I'm feeling a certain way, that 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 is it's a spiritual deficit, or we're feeling like we're spiritually lacking, and so we try and use spiritual healing stuff when in reality that's not actually the issue. Lamar pointed out with with listening, um, like I I loved when he said like, you know, a lot of times we listen to reply. Um, Jordan B. Peterson, uh, a, a psychologist, a scientist, he said uh, a lot of us, we listen to reply. We need to listen to understand, you know, um, to understand their concern. And I have been ears for a lot of people. And uh, one thing that I've learned is you have to be an ear. D- don't compare. Like I've always, I've struggled with it. I need to compare myself and tell them that this is how I healed. The process healing of me and someone else is totally different. That is why they need to get diagnosis. They need 
to see well seek professional help, get diagnosis in whatever you're struggling with, and yeah, work with your professional or, or mm. whoever you're working with, and uh, and yeah, like seek professional help. That's it. For those who are struggling, especially as a Pacifica, a Pacifica man, um, I think one of the most important things is to realize you don't have to be a certain way. Um, there isn't a carbon copy of like the definition of what we are supposed to do. I believe that we ourselves define ourselves by what we put out into the world, how we act, how we treat other people. Um, that's more important than what you're doing. Um, you don't have to constantly put up a facade of I'm a strong person. It is okay to be weak sometimes. It is okay to cry when you feel like you need to cry. Um, and it's okay to reach out when you feel like you need to reach out. Because sometimes life gets really hard. And that's okay. Um, and it's in those moments that we find solace and bliss with the connections, the beautiful connections that we make with other human beings. And I found that in my own experiences where I'm close to people that I've never thought I would be close to. When I look at my friends, I see beauty because there's so much diversity. The people that I keep close to me, um, I'm super grateful that they have entrusted myself to be so open and vulnerable when it comes to their struggles. And I'm very grateful that they have allowed me to also do the same. So if you feel like you are struggling, know that there are so many other people out there like you and that um, there's, there's people waiting for you and there is somebody waiting there with open arms to embrace you. And I love you all. You know, for anyone that's going through, you know, anything out there, I just, I hope you know that it's normal. Um, I hope you don't feel different or you feel like you're less than anyone else. Um, this is not complete truth. This is just how I look at it. But I, I just feel like all of us as human beings, we, we all we all come into the world the same. Uh, no one is better than anyone else. We all have different strengths. No one comes in a complete package. If you come in with these certain strengths, you're going to be lacking in something else. So, you know, some of us come into this world with disabilities. Some of us come into this world with mental health, um, you know, disabilities. Um, we didn't choose that, you know what I mean? So we can't hate ourselves for it. So, you know, be a lot, be a lot easier on yourself. You know, it's easier said than done. And, you know, when you're in that situation, it's so much more harder. But, you know, if, if there's anything that, um, you know, any advice that I could give out is just, you know, just doing our best just to, you know, treat ourselves, you know, the way that we would treat our own friends, you know, being a lot more easy on ourselves. And just remember, like, just if you do have mental health, you know, it, it, it's normal. Um, we, everyone's lacking in something. Um, and, yeah, just just want love, you know, love yourself. Uh, love those that are around you and, you know, just do your best and, you know, uh, just try our best not to compare ourselves to other people because everyone's going through the same thing, whether it's in mental health or other disabilities, other mental, emotional, um, yeah, um, circumstances. I've been part of. I was part of a panel once at a at a mental health uh, Sydney um, religious uh, Sydney religious uh, society kind of thing, and uh, one of the things that I saw was a lot of this faith, you know, Buddhist, uh, Muslim, and those faith that were there. A lot of things that we were different as people with faith that we had hope, and a lot of people who were there who were atheists who don't believe in anything. They had no hope. Eh? So I think with me, 
the basic part of healing was that I seek for help and and I went to my leaders for counseling for counsel and they gave me counseling and they referred me to those counselors in our church as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints we have people in our main office here in Sydney that are qualified or a psychologist there there are three psychologists if I'm correct that are there to help so if you're struggling with whatever you're struggling with I think seek for help you know thanks everyone for coming would like to thank our guests Mone and Dali thank you for coming my name is Safa I'm Oh yes I am And that is me Someone else sing Please Moses Oh Moses 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 Let's go Moses Let's go No thanks for having us here guys This song is dedicated to our homegirl. Uh, she went missing a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Silla Yono. Um, free the girls. Yeah. Free the girls. Free Melbourne. <laughs> Here we go. We need the Beyonce version. Oh. Wow. <laughs> I heard there was a secret chord. David played and it pleased the Lord But you, you don't, don't really care for music, do you? Well, it goes like this The fourth, the fifth The minor fall The major lift The baffled king composing Hallelujah Hallelujah Hallelujah, Hallelujah. 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 Wow. See, like you should. Round two. Wow. Do I have any other requests in the line? Is there another request in the line? What is the next request?